You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us in our Digital House Church gathering this morning. My name is Riz, the pastor here at Reality Honolulu. and was my wife Zoe leading worship. Uh, we're just honored and blessed to worship our God with you this morning. And uh, as you know, this is our new norm now. For an unknown time, hopefully sooner than later, we'll all be together. But in the meantime, each Sunday at 10 a.m., we will join together uh, to still gather around the person of Jesus. And right, we may need to be creative and adjust in order to do that still, but we see it as absolutely essential to still gather as the church and worship and study the Word of God together, to learn about who God is and what He did for us, and always keep Him at the forefront of our minds, especially this season. And um, in addition, before we get into the Word of God, I just want to um, make sure you're aware of a few things in our church that, that you have access to, that we want to make sure you're, you're staying connected and plugged in. And if you have needs, that you're able to share those needs and have your needs met by the body of Christ. And um, a couple of ways that you can stay connected outside of here on Sunday mornings. One is our Tuesday night prayer meetings. Again, this is not in person. It's via Zoom. The links are on the website. But we'd love for you to join with us. There's a bunch of us there at 8 o'clock on Tuesday. Tuesday nights, and we just intercede and pray on behalf of our church body, the community, and for God to move in and of it all. Also, uh, Ohana groups. A lot of you guys are already connected in Ohana groups, but if you're not, if you feel like you don't have a Christian community, you have brothers and sisters in Christ, you're a part of that body of reality, Honolulu, but you don't feel like you necessarily have people to lean on and pray for you and do life with, that's why we have Ohana groups. And uh, there's more of those. They're all on the website as well. And uh, it's realityhonolulu.com. But... We also want to make sure, you know, we, we understand that all of us are going through this differently and it's all affecting us differently. And we want to make sure that if, if you need anything, that we're here for you. If you need prayer, if you have financial hardships, if you've lost your job, uh, if you just want someone to talk with, like we're here for you. And again, you can go to the website and all of that's there. Um, but I guess what I want to say is we want to be the church like in Acts chapter 2 where none of us are in need. Like no one gets left behind or falls through the cracks. And so we want to, uh, as a church, not just me or the leadership or the staff, uh, not just your Ohana group leaders, but as a church body, we're all members of the body. And we believe that all of us are to to um, rejoice with each other and bear each other's burdens and meet each other's needs. And so um, if you you need anything like that, please don't hesitate to contact us through the website realityhonolulu.com. Um, but that said, after our time of worship that we just had, after those few announcements, what we want to do, what we always do every Sunday is we spend a good chunk of our time diving into the Bible, right? Into God's Word. And the reason why we do that is that we believe that in its pages, 
As we read scripture, as we dig in today into the book of Acts, we believe we find the heart and the character and the intentions of God towards us. And by reading it, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe that God speaks to us and ministers to us through it. And so we absolutely don't want to neglect doing that. If anything, um, like we always do, we want to make it a centerpiece of our large gathering, right? This is our large gathering, even though it might be you only in your living room and me here just in my yard. Um, this is the most of us watching at the same time. This is our large gathering. And what we want to do is we want to spend it worshiping and digging into the, into the, um, the word of God. And uh, once again, I want to remind us that like we were created to be in relationship with God and part of cultivating uh, a relationship, right? Just like uh, conversations that you have with someone else to get to know them. By doing that, you help discover uh, their heart towards you and your heart towards them as you share time and space and conversation with one another. And the same happens when we read the Word of God and God speaks to us and we hear His heart in that we, we cultivate relationship with Him. And if there's ever a time that we need to stay connected to God, it's now. And in the midst of all this change, right, I don't know about you, but everything in my life's pretty much changed. I'm sure the same is for you as well. But in the midst of it, we feel that God has us in the book of Acts for 2020. Whatever this world, you know, this year throws at us, uh, which who knows what that is, we think we're, we're thankful that God's word doesn't change, that the, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. And we want to just set ourselves in the book of Acts and verse by verse, chapter by chapter, just go through it steady as she goes and allow the Lord to speak to us. And we've been doing that since the beginning of the year. We're in chapter three, finishing chapter three today, but we've been going through it the whole year. And if you are new, not only welcome uh, once again, but we want you to kind of catch up if you can. You might have more time on your hands. You can go to the website as well and see uh, the, the previous Sunday gatherings on video or on audio podcasts. Um, but today we are looking at Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26. So if you have a Bible, please go ahead and grab that or open up your phone or whatever it is and read along with me. Acts 3, verses 11 through 26. Uh, it's kind of a larger swath of text, so uh, follow along with me. Uh, I'll go ahead and read it, and then we'll um, dig into it. It says this, reading out of the NIV translation. Acts 3, 11 through 26. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by your own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our forefathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. 
By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you uh, see and now was made strong, it is by Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Any, anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets you have spoken, uh, you have, who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the people and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Okay, context-wise, this may be confusing if you weren't here last week, but we are in this chapter... What we see uh, last week is that Peter and John, the disciples, they, they're going to a very traditional prayer service at the temple. And what happens is, is they walk by and they talk with this man that's been crippled from birth. And this man is, is, is begging for money to just to survive. And Peter and John stop and they talk to him and they, and they don't meet his, his temporal needs with money. They said, we have something far better. We don't have silver and gold, but in the name of Jesus, walk, stand up. And this man, for the very first time, gets up and not only walks, but leaps and shouts with joy. And the temple courts are actually filled with, with this man running around praising God because he was just crippled. Um, our text says that for 40 years he had been crippled and in a moment he was healed. And what we saw was that God made something beautiful out of this man's pain. Actually, out of 40 years of hopelessness and pain, God brought life into his life in a moment. And we saw the radical generosity and power and grace and mercy of God in this. And what's happening today in our text is right after that happens, uh, this crowd gathers and it's kind of a, a sight to see. They're in awe and wonder of what's happened. And this crowd is questioning, like, what happened? How is this man standing and leaping? He's been a cripple for, for decades, for his whole life. And what Peter and John do is they make sure that the whole crowd knows exactly what happened. They make sure to set Everyone's eyes on the one who did it. It was God and it wasn't them. What had happened was these crowds of Jews at the temple courts during a very traditional Jewish service just had seen and now are hearing of a miracle done by God in the power of Jesus. And here's, here's the point to that. See, what's happening here 
is that these the, the people in the crowd that are seeing this, that are hearing this, their whole framework, their worldview is being confronted by an action, this man healed, and now an explanation of that action, both in word and deed. And see, see for them, this miracle, this miraculous healing had caused awe and wonder. And it really shook their understanding of how things worked, like in the world and logically, like what had just happened didn't make sense. And you see, these crowds were, were very religious. I mean, these were devout, pious Jews that would go to this 3 p.m. afternoon prayer service that were in the crowds. And it wasn't outside of their understanding that God could be at work in this way. But what Peter does is he drills it down a little deeper and he clarifies and makes sure they know that it's by the power of Jesus, the Son of God, in them that all of this happened. Right? Verse 16 of our text today says, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and now was made strong. It is by Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has been completely healed, as you all can see. See, Peter and John were purposely and intentionally bringing attention to the risen Jesus. They were once again making the case before their fellow Jews that Jesus was and is the promised Messiah. Right? If you remember, the Messiah for, for Jews is the one that would that for centuries, for generations, they were awaiting as the Savior of Israel and the Savior of the world that was promised to them by the prophets and the forefathers and the Torah and their Old Testament. And in this moment, when they see this, when they hear this, when Peter and John are presenting uh, all of this before their eyes, their worldview and the framework of how they thought life functioned, like its meaning and its purpose, was being shaken. They were being rattled by even a lifetime of belief right here. And they were being presented in word and deed in an alternative truth. A story of who Jesus was and who he was to them and for them. And their response to Peter's gospel presentation, right? Peter lays out uh, some evidence as to why this happened and who Jesus was and what he did and what they did. Their response to this was really mixed. Like we'll see even in the next few chapters of Acts, that heavy person, uh, persecution came to them for making these claims, but also like multitudes came to faith, like they believed in it. Some persecuted Peter and John and the others for saying these things, and some embraced it as a life-saving truth. Right, even at the beginning of um, chapter 4, which we'll study next week, we see that Peter and John were arrested for saying these things. These very things that we just read, they're arrested for it. But at the same time, thousands were saved. It says that the church grew to 5,000 in number from 3,000 just a little bit ago. But here is what is really revel uh, excuse me, relevant and a takeaway for, for us this morning. 
right? There's, there's incredible context that we have to understand that we just talked about. But it is for us this morning as well. There is relevant and important application for us. And even though we are far removed from this, right? 2,000 years ago in a different Middle Eastern culture, uh, farthest away on the, on the planet you can almost get from Hawaii. Even though that's true, there are times in life that, that due to events, usually hard ones, that even our own framework or our own, our own worldview of what life should be like gets challenged and shaken. And when that happens, for them it was now, but for us in, in different ways, when that happens, you begin to question things, like, like big things in life, like the purpose, the meaning. What are we here for? What is this designed to do? Like, we start questioning everything. And times for us can be like mm, divorce of parents. Many of us have experienced uh, divorce in families and it, and it shakes us and it rattles us of, whoa, wasn't this how uh, parents and family and wasn't it supposed to be this way? Uh, it can happen when there's a death of a loved one, right? When someone that we cherish so deeply passes away. Like it shakes us at the core of, of, of what life is and what it's about. Also it can be things like, you know, we really worked so hard into, the, get into that college that we really wanted and, and everything didn't work out. We didn't get what we wanted. It could be, um, like even right now for, for some of us, it can be job loss. It can be our small businesses are, are just shut down all of a sudden. All this energy that we've poured into our livelihood is taken away from us. Um, because, you know, all of us, we have a programmed narrative and we have unspoken rules of how the world should work. That's our, that's our worldview. And this is a lot due to our upbringing or the culture that we were brought up in. Uh, how our parents parented. Were they around? Were they not? Divorced? Not divorced. Right? Our economic status. Do we have no money or a lot of money? And all these other things. What it does is it actually has formed a worldview in all of us. And so when something tragic occurs, like any of the things I just listed, it messes with the safety and the integrity of the framework in which we live our life, our worldview. And this time currently that we're in, COVID-19, coronavirus, this season, can do the very same thing. It can rattle us at the core of our understanding of the world. Right, how we think sh things should go, like with all these restrictions and fear and confusion and the unknown and uh, all the news reports and even just looking how people are responding, good and bad. For many of us, this challenges the safety and integrity of our own framework of how life works, like its purpose and its meaning. And what Peter presents is what I also want to present today that there is an explanation of how the world works and that there's a creator God and that he desires to be in relationship with us. And because of sin, because we messed that up, because our own selfish, independent nature pushed God away, the only way that relationship can be made possible once again with our God is through the death 
of Jesus Christ upon the cross. The very things that Peter is speaking to the crowds echo true to us today. And you see, for this crowd here in Acts, this Jewish audience, they not only are like us, that we're all sinners and they've all sinned and they've all rebelled against God just like us and done, their, done our own thing, but in their context here, they had actually been a part of sending Jesus to die, like literally actually to the cross. See, they not only didn't believe he was who he said he was, but they actually brought him to the Roman authorities and demanded crucifixion. Even the Roman authorities found no fault in him, but his own people, the Jewish people, these people in the crowds demanded he be killed for claiming to be God when they believed he wasn't. And Peter, if you caught it in our text, he doesn't let that slide. He doesn't forget that, but he actually hones in on it. He brings it up and he presents some really bad news to them. He says, you here, speaking to them face to face in the temple courts next to this man that was just healed, healed Peter and John said, you corporately here, had a hand in killing the very Messiah that you were waiting for. The Son of God, your awaited Savior. He drops that bomb on them. I mean, can you imagine hearing that for them? Can you imagine what they must have felt? So he says that. But here's where Peter communicates the core of God's heart and what's central to the gospel message is that despite the worst act of humanity, the killing of the Son of God, despite their unbelief and their rebellion and this utterly sinful act that they, put, they took part in, Peter doesn't just leave it there, doesn't just condemn them and shame them. Peter presents forgiveness through grace. Right? Verse 19 says, Despite all that, there's another option. There's another way. There's hope for you. He says, verse 19, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out so that times of what? Refreshing may come from the Lord. What he says here is he says, if you admit what you've done and you'd recognize it, if you believe in God, if you repent, this idea of repentance means to turn from living from uh, yourself and turning your hearts to God. It means to surrender to his leading and his lordship, to turn from sin and turn to God. Peter says, if you do this, if you repent, if you turn from sin and turn to God, if you do this, times of refreshing will come. What that literally means in the original language is rest, replenishment, and refreshment, but on a deep spiritual soul level. It means that their soul can be at rest and at peace with God despite their failure. Repent, turn to God so that you can feel the refreshment of God in your life and be restored back into relationship 
so that your sins may be forgiven, so that shame and guilt and condemnation of your past failures can fall at the feet of Jesus and you can be at peace with God once again. And again, this isn't from their doing and their good works. Peter's not given a try harder, be better, be better Jews, be more religious, follow more rules. If anything, they said, he's saying, no, it's not of your own works. It's not by your own doing, but it's actually by God's finished work upon the cross that you are forgiven. See, this is grace. See, grace is an undeserved gift. What these crowds of people that Peter was talking to, what they deserved for their sin was, was wrath, was punishment, was consequence. But the very person that they put on that cross is the same person that extends grace to forgive them, that person being Jesus Christ. And what Jesus did on the cross is not only for them in those crowds 2,000 years ago in the temple courts. What Jesus did on the cross is for all of us. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the same grace that was extended to this crowd is extended to us and the whole world. And the grace is that despite our sins, and our failures, God forgives us. Not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus did upon the cross on our behalf. And just like these crowds had a choice to believe, and some did and some didn't, so do we. And so my question is, for us today, is what is our worldview? What do we think life is supposed to be all about? Right? Is our worldview determined purely off our upbringing and what we were told and shown and modeled? Is it just determined by the news we, uh, we watch or the country we live in? Like, what is forming us? What, what do we believe life is supposed to be all about? Is it our own personal convictions? What's our framework? What's our worldview? Is it based purely on those things or... Do we have a Jesus-centered, God-designed worldview that's laid out in the Bible where we can truly know the meaning of life, our purpose, who Creator God is, and what that means for you and I? See, in this time of shaking and changes, I want to encourage and invite you to really think about these things for yourself. And I want you to turn your attention to Jesus and really dive into who Jesus is and who he said he was and what he did and what the Bible says about him. For those of us as believers who follow Jesus, as we enter into this time of worship, as we always do each Sunday, I want to invite you to take communion alongside us. Um, if you have bread or crackers or juice or wine or anything like that at your homes, I want to encourage you to get that right now. And as we enter into this time of worship, which we're going to spend a few more songs exalting our God, magnifying Him for who He is and what He's done. Throughout this time, whenever it feels right in the quietness of your home, or if you have kids, maybe not too quiet, but wherever you're at right now, along with your family and your roommates, ponder who God is and what he did for us, specifically 
what Jesus did upon the cross for us as his body was broken and his blood that was spilt. And what communion is, it's symbolic of remembering those things. And as you take uh, a bread or anything like that, it signifies his body that was broken. And if it's juice or wine or anything like that, it signifies his blood that was spilt for us. And it's a way for the church to remember the most important thing that is to shape us and form us as a people. And that's the grace that God has given us by dying on the cross for us on our behalf. Let's pray and let's enter into this time of worship and remember who our God is and praise him for it. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time that we are reminded through your servant Peter in the book of Acts that it's all about you and what you did. And in this time of shaking, in this time that our own understandings of how the work, uh, how the world should work is shaken, we thank you, Lord, that you're not shaken. And we thank you that there's answers. We have the answers of life's deepest questions in you. You created us to be with you. We thank you that today we're able to do that. Even as the world is so strange and weird, Thank you that you are the same and your promises are yes and amen and true and lasting. So we praise you now. We ask that in our homes as we worship through our computer screens and our TVs and our iPhones, that you would be magnified and exalted. You'd fill our homes with your presence. God, that you'd be worshipped all over the world now for who you are and what you've done through uh, digital house church gatherings just like this. We thank you, Lord. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.